you know, I'm, I'm likely never having kids because of, you know, the, the everything, but the one silver lining that I can see to being a parent is being able to like hand your children a chore list and like a Swiffer and say, um, we can't wait to see what you do with it. You know, like <laughs> Tim Cook style. It's pretty good. I'm not sure if they would get the joke, but, um, like I assume you would have bought them iPads or something. So they, they, they would, they would have to know. Or I mean, I feel like, like if, if I was doing my job as a parent, I, my kid would get the joke. <laughs> well, if, we if already have covered, it, maybe that would reflect negatively on me. Well, we already covered a couple of weeks ago where I don't know if this is off. Uh, am I bringing something online that's not offline? <laughs> where you said you already kind of threw in the towel where you sometimes just hand uh, a Pro Max to your kid with like uh, their favorite show on whenever you kind of need a break? No, 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 no. Uh, we were actually, I'm, I mean, I guess not, not to pat ourselves on the back here, but I, f- I feel like the lady friend and I are, are good parents in that way. We, oh, no, no. But I, I remember you explicitly calling out where you w- one day, and this is, this is not an indictment of, of, of all the past year and a half of parenting, but I think you'd mentioned one day that you did have to like pull the emergency break and, and give like some YouTube or some PBS kids to, to um, the housemate. That, it, that's only in the car because we, we, we've been doing these long... <laughs> car you know drives over the summer here and there mm-hmm. it's sort of unlimited screen time in the car and otherwise <laughs> it is is very very limited oh got it um actually uh keeping it on the kid note um is your kiddo one of the ones that um or sorry your little one <laughs> another offline online topic um uh soothed by car rides i know that's a big thing where um new parents will sometimes it's kind of like where <laughs> well it's gonna not make any sense uh, but i remember listening to this on a parenting po- a podcast which don't ask don't t- ask me why i was listening to it where uh sometimes children are soothed by the sound of a dishwasher running because it I sounds like of that allegedly it sounds like the inside of a womb or something but anyway but also kids are frequently uh entertained or calmed by uh, like just driving around the neighborhood or something yeah um the the new housemate was that way when she was really little we we did have a couple of times where we yeah did the ride around the block and that did get her to sleep but no the age that she's at now she does not sleep very much in the car on these eight nine hour car rides we're lucky if she sleeps for like maybe an hour well nine hours is asking a lot out of a kid even an adult yeah no i i, I know she, she's a she's a trooper though we we put the put the ipad back there and she's she's good <laughs> well again that sounds like a slightly in contradiction with your previous uh, assertions but well but the, it's on, only on these <laughs> long car rides at home very very limited only on leap years got it Mm -hmm, right um also when does she stop getting called the new housemate uh it's tbd Mm -hmm. okay i mean you gotta you gotta you gotta you you know you gotta earn gotta earn your uh title (laughs) uh but i think for purposes of taxation she's gonna be dependent for the next 17 years oh that's Mm -hmm. correct yeah Mm -hmm. yeah the tax tax law is different from um house titles family law yeah yeah got it yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. come on all right before we get into main business i do have actually this actually this is kind of tangentially related to the to the um, actually is it 
Eh, it's 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 sort of cleaning chore related. To, we'll, we'll pretend that last segment didn't happen. Uh, how are how are you doing with subscriptions in your life? Do you feel like you have the right amount, or do you need maybe one more? Um, I guess you know you could always kind of use one more, maybe. See, that's thank you for doing the yes and and making sure this works. So I got an Instagram ad today, and we we've talked about the fact that I don't know what Instagram thinks I am, but apparently it thinks I'm the candidate for for this. So sent you a link. So there's a new thing, and 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 kudos to iRobot for not choosing plus for this. But apparently there's a new program called iRobot Select that was debuted in the fall of 2020. Where um, this 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 have you have you previewed this? Do you kind of have an idea of what's going on here? No, I, I I this is all new to me. So just while I'm talking, just read through the page and you'll you'll discover a lot. But you have the Roomba i7, right? That's the fancy one that empties itself. Uh, we do, yeah, yeah. So I got an Instagram ad. I don't know if I already deleted the screenshot, but I just had to immediately put it in my own um, private Slack channel. But apparently they have made Roomba as a service, which also, of course, has a service contract. So you can get a Roomba i7 robot on a monthly plan. Uh, but the website at select.irobot.com makes very clear to, t- uh, met, uh, to mention one tough on messes not on your wallet and uh quote this is not a payment plan it's an all-inclusive membership program designed to deliver value every step of the way so first that's just bad copy and that just sounds like somebody in biz dev who does not who who never who does not have like a liberal arts degree and does not know how to write wrote that because regular people don't want to know what type of value is being inserted into their monthly recurring transaction but you get as part of the membership you get robot accessories because again it has actually been clear of what that the Roomba is a robot um and also i get i think so you get accidental damage protection and you get a dedicated experience manager so i guess you could say that the $30 a month and that's the price that you have to pay for this you can i mean i maybe if you can try to pivot this and use the dedicated experience manager as like a therapist i think maybe that would work i don't know but if you scroll down and click learn more uh, and then go to see all plans, you have, you can, have two can choices. I, can I actually ask a question really fast before we, we click through? Oh, sure. So actually right above the learn more button, mm-hmm. there is a line of text which is in a lighter color than the rest of the text, almost as mm-hmm. if attention doesn't want to be drawn to it. That mm-hmm. says membership required for robot operation. Mm-hmm. So my question here is that if you purchase an i7 through this program and mm-hmm. you stop paying your membership fee, is there some sort of like remote kill switch? Yeah, they, they break kill it. switch. Yeah, uh-huh. it's it's like it's like the 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 DRM Keurig cups. <laughs> like they 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 choose to can't like they go on Twitter and they cancel. Yeah, your robots canceled. So. Very interesting. Okay. Yeah. So you click through and go to learn more. So you get you get a Roomba i7 plus. Oh, maybe that's why they can use the plus because they already used it for that. Um. So you get a. So the headline number here is, or, or the top line number for your for your family finances is twenty nine dollars a month with a thirty day heart money back guarantee. Apparently. Um. Also, we're going to get to the membership terms in a second. 
because um, I'm going to try to avoid talking about the Apple stuff uh, as much as we can. You click on see all plans. You've got two options. So you have a two-year contract on your vacuum cleaner, which if you do, if you opt for the two-year, you save the $99 activation fee because yes, vacuum cleaners should have an activation fee. Uh, either way, it's a $29 membership fee. Um, but uh, yeah, if you, if you want to do month to month like a sucker, you have to pay $99 to activate your Roomba. I do like that if you mouse over either of the plans, the Roomba comes and starts vacuuming the the, the buy button. That's, that's a nice touch. So this this is trash. And um, if we click through and look at the, the nitty-gritty legal details, um, I will put a link in the show notes. Yeah, I, I, sorry, I was trying to avoid work earlier today, so I was diving deep on this. Uh, if you scroll down to six, uh, so section two, uh, item uh, item B, uh, do where is it? Where is the part about the termination fee? So if you have a two-year contract, you have a prorated termination fee. The termination fee is prorated, which means as more time passes, you pay less to terminate the membership. The early termination fee can cost a maximum of six hundred dollars for mm. a two-year commitment, or a maximum of three hundred dollars for a one-year commitment, and decreases by twenty-five dollars a month. And this is the best part. The early termination fee is not a penalty, but rather a charge to compensate us for your failure to satisfy the, the term commitment on which your membership fees are based. So this this coincides for me with a lot of things because one, I just got an email from my gym that tells me that um, the fact that I'm paying them $50 a month to not go to the gym is going to stop in October and they're going to start charging me the regular rate. So that's going to be a conversation. But I, I really love when membership is used in kind of a threatening way. So that's why I'm all about this. This Every, every part of this is great that somehow a vacuum cleaner as a service is now a thing and that every part of this is just, this is, I don't know, this, this is lame. I don't know why everything has to be subscription based. Like I get why stuff should be subscription based, but this seems beneath Roomba. Did you now have kind of like a vacuum cleaner that has to connect to the internet every once in a while to see if you're still legally authorized to use it? I don't know. What are your feelings? So I do really like how sort of plainly written these uh, T's and C's, as you would say, are. Um, mm. I it, when when terms or any sort of like legal document gets too bogged down with legalese, I just I don't I don't care for that. So I, I do sort of appreciate when things are just plainly written like this is. Well, but the, but the one to quickly in, intersperse this is that it's I guess maybe that's because if you look at the like the buy page on the iRoomba Select website. It doesn't mention there's a contract like anywhere. Like it's very, very cagey about the fact that there is a termination fee or that anything's required. So I guess uh, so. So sure, points for, but also points against. Hmm. <laughs> also, I think the one thing that you might be underselling or maybe not giving them credit for is that you get a free robot upgrade every three years uh, with three with four asterisks, depending on model availability. I don't. So does this mean that you never stop paying for a Roomba? Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Wait, what's what's um, t- what's t- what's twenty nine times thirty six? 
A thousand, Jesus Christ. TCO for 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 three years is a thousand forty four dollars. How much is an i seven on its own? Six hundred. Yeah, not not nearly that much. I think it's Woof. yeah, I think it's down to about six hundred, and that's with the um, five forty nine at Bed Bath and Beyond. Yeah, and I that I think that should include the um, um, automatic disposal thing too. Woof. That's oh, that's that's oh, that's no that's that's no good. No. Mm-mm. Mm, that's not cool. Yeah. All the, right. But these, you, these you, are you, such a these, these types of programs are so hit or miss. Like I, the the iPhone upgrade program, I think is is totally <laughs> reasonable. Um, Microsoft does something similar with the Xbox. Also, which can't is, you? Isn't there which like is also uh, con- good? I say it's considered to be a very fair and and good program. Well, yeah, because Microsoft has done the thing. I think you can also uh, like get like a Surface laptop or a Microsoft Surface, like the the kickstand tablet thingy, like on a subscription. But their prices are actually decent. Where yeah. like you can basically get an Xbox for what is it, like twenty bucks a month. It's but you also get like Game that, Pass yeah. included. I think you do. Yeah, and it's like after after some amount of time, you know, the Xbox becomes yours and when you do the the math like the number of months that have passed is like the the total all in cost for the you know the console and then the service that you've been paying for is is basically the same as it would be if you just bought the count, the console outright from the beginning so mm. yeah so i'm going to give kind of a two thumbs down to irobot select Unless I don't know robot maintenance with smart care. I mean, that's that's one hundred twenty five dollar value. I think I feel like I'd be an idiot not to do this. <laughs> this, this is silly. I, I I'm sure they think carefully like what this does to their brand, but I also don't know. Is Roomba kind of like TiVo, where like it's just not really there anymore? I I don't know because like because there's a billion like there's like the. Like there's Eufy, which is Anchor's like brand of smart home accessories, and I'm sure Samsung makes robot vacuum cleaners. As as also again, online offline, um, Samsung now has uh, AI powered uh, stack washing machines, which is the big innovation. Sorry, again, going back to my uh, Instagram ads, I got served an ad again. They should know I'm not a homeowner. And I do not have in-unit washing machine, but uh, that they have somehow managed to, through the magic of technology and sixty years of Korean engineering, uh, figure out a way to make the uh, the washing machine and dryer talk to each other on a single screen, as opposed to having to raise your arm to turn on the dryer. And then I forget what you said, but you 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 had a good uh, a good quip to that. Well, yeah, because they were demoing it on a stackable washer and dryer. Well, yeah, so. yeah, that's the point. So what, what, what if you're short? I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm five nine. I, that, that's a long way to reach. Yeah, but how tall do you think stackable washer and dryer units are? They're very tall. I mean, I mean, might need the help of a housemate. Uh, who knows? That's half the reason I have a kid to turn on the dryer. <sighs> um. Oh, the uh, iRobot Select also gets your free shipping, so that's 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 pretty good. Yeah, I I I, can, <laughs> I continue to really enjoy our i7 plus, but I, I I don't much care for this program. Cuz the does the robot does it ever become yours or no? That's the thing. I I don't think it does. I think it they just expect you to after 3 years uh, after 3 years upgrade to whatever the new Roomba is and you just pay in perpetuity and basically 
Yeah, you're paying as much for a vacuum cleaner as you would for like a $2 million term life insurance policy. Yeah, that, that that's the part of it that this, this kind of breaks down. Mm-hmm. But I mean, honestly, how, how much worse is this than paying for Apple Fitness? <laughs> um, uh, there was one other thing before we get. I don't, to I don't really get the the dedicated experience manager thing either. Like, how much help do people generally need to run their Roomba? They're, I mean, you know, they're pretty straightforward. Yeah, uh-huh. they're not. They're not. They're not all that complicated. Yeah, seems like a bad deal. Um, I feel like I had one other thing. Eh, no, I forgot about it. So it might come up later in the show. All right. Follow up. Uh, yesterday was, uh, an unnecessary election day in California. Mm. We all got mailed a ballot, uh, thanks to, um, Republicans not being in control of the state. And, uh, there was an unnecessary, uh, waste of, was the estimated cost like four hundred and fifty million dollars? I think when yeah, when you included the amount that candidates spent on their campaigns, I think that's yeah what it totaled up yeah. to. Yeah, so half, half a billion dollars uh, got spent on an unnecessary recall election, and we really ought to fix our recall system. Um, but yeah, uh, frequent um, Gavin Newsom, I think, somebody who has one of those like you know kind of like how delis have those little um, sandwich cards. I'm sure Gavin has a like a frequent visitor card to the the German or, no not the German washing machine the French laundry um so but he he managed to survive uh the recall campaign and lives to govern for another 15 months and it was all very dumb but also here here, here I guess here's my problem with it is that and I don't know how they're going to use it yet but I don't want him and his acolytes to think this was a uh, an endorsement or a mandate for him. I feel like it's mo- like I I voted because I don't want Joe Rando Republican to be in power. Like I I don't want this to be confused with everybody thinks everything about Gavin is great. Like I I honestly do support most of his COVID era governing, but his his overall job as a governor. Maybe less so, but I but I'm I'm worried that those two things are going to be conflated. But anyway, it's over. Yeah, yeah. We right. um we we to just bring you know more offline, well, partially online conversations, but not on the podcast conversations. We I, I dug up that little Slack thread between us. I think from like January, where yeah, I brought the receipts. Yeah, 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 yeah. We were talking about kind of the the recall was probably going to happen, but probably not be successful and that here we are we, yeah. so what i'm saying is we're going to be starting our own um political podcast here soon or i think we, well, we can either start an ngo or, or a, a super pack or something i don't know yeah. mm-hmm. let me think about that um yeah all right and then other follow-up well actually i mean so you kind of had you had kind of like a little bit this this again also offline online. You had kind of like a, a little bit of an office like will they won't they type thing going on with you know, a <laughs> replacement Apple Watch. Like you had a very much a Jim and Pam thing where yeah. we we weren't sure what was, what was happening. You rejected my idea of of getting just going and getting like a Series Six and then exchanging it because again you don't want to take advantage of the Apple Corporation, which is which is hurting for money and always acts ethically, but. 
we'll get to it with the Apple event later, but the Series 7 Apple Watch is a... Was this on the show when we were asking Alexa when the when fall is? Uh, it was right right before we started okay. recording, I think. Well, yeah. we 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 asked Alexa, and apparently fall is September twenty second to December twenty first, and uh, the Series Seven Apple Watch is uh, quote coming later this fall. So you had a choice to make, which is, do you go watchless for potentially multiple months, um, or do you bite the bullet and do something? And you you made an executive decision. So what did you decide to do? Yeah. So, I mean, you're, well, first of all, your whole kind of nefarious just return. Not nefarious. Well. Apple's a, Apple, a, Apple's a greedy bad company. I, I feel nothing. <laughs> I don't, well, that I don't, idea, I don't ever... that idea wouldn't, wouldn't have worked anyway, given well. the elongated series seven delay. Um, so yeah, so we, we talked about this on the show last week, my series six watch died. Um, and I'm, I'm someone who, you know, I've worn an Apple watch every day now for eight how, years. Did we, we do how, how long has it been out? Six years, seven years, 2014, seven years. Yeah. Something like that. Um, and really like, you know, next to my iPhone, it's, it's my, you know, second most used device every day. I mean, I'm constantly using it and referring to it. Um, or you're looking at it. Yeah, exactly. But you're not actually use touching it, right? Generally, like other than uh, setting timers, I doubt it, right? I interact with notifications a bunch on it hmm. throughout the day. Okay. Um, and you know, a, a lot of times, like when I'm around the house, you know, I won't really have the my phone with me. Like my phone will just be somewhere, and then I'm just you know I'm around the house just with my watch. Um, so I, I mean, I use it a bunch. It's it's an important device day in and day out, and so. You know, we talked a little bit about this on the show last week, and that was like, I think, day three at that time of not having an Apple Watch. And it was like the next day, I'm like, man, this really like, this sucks not having an Apple Watch. (laughs) And so I started looking at like, well, what if I bought just, you know, one of the really like the more inexpensive models and then just, you know, either traded it back in or sold it on eBay or something when the Series 7 came out. And like, I, I thought about doing that, and then I, I was like, "Well, no, I, I, I don't want to. I, I shouldn't do that." And you know, thinking like, "Well, I, I only have maybe like two, maybe three more weeks of not having a watch," and so I, 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 I put in an order, and then I canceled it, and I'm like, "I'm not gonna, not gonna do this." But then I'm watching the event yesterday, and you know, they're showing the Series Seven. I'm thinking, "Okay, yeah, this looks good. This looks good." You know, winter, winter pre-orders happening, and I, or I was thinking like, "Oh, they, you know." as we'll get into with, you know, there was an iPad segment before and they talked about pre-orders. I think for those, it was like same day shipping next week or whatever. So I'm thinking I'm like, okay, well maybe the watch will be something similar. And then Jeff Williams, you know, drops it at the very end. As I think you've already mentioned here coming later this fall available later this fall, which is a very, very un Apple like thing to do. I don't, I don't recall. Wasn't wasn't there a whole thing last year where all of their things were like ships early spring or or like late December? I feel like the, that they, the, they, the early and late term was actually very much introduced last year. But but with a usually with a month attached to it. 
It's usually, oh. you know, late October or late November. I mean, I think for <laughs> some you... products, like I think maybe with the um, iMac Pro, they said something like by the end of the year or something like that. But that's not the well, watch the... or the phone or something. So you are not okay with just ships sometime Q4? That's, that's well, yeah, because for you, which is basically what they said. Generally with Apple, when they're when they're talking about you know, late or by the end of, I mean, they usually mean it, right? Like, it's not like they're going to say available later this fall and it's going to be available like October 1st. Like, that's that's not going to happen. Like, I, you know, when I when they say later this fall, I interpret that as being like probably very late in the fall, i.e., you know, sometime totally. maybe like late November, yeah. early December kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So when that when that news was dropped, I, I had to kind of reevaluate my temporary Apple Watch plan and did did ultimately go forward with that. Which so is ask, you know, what was so how one, how much does a non cellular series because you so you went you went for the bottom of the barrel of currently available watches, right? I ended up doing the the S E. Oh, cause I, wait! Didn't you send me a screenshot of a Series Three? I I think did I did. Two yeah. Orders? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is, it's been a very it's, somebody it's, at the Apple store was like, "This fucking guy, can't <laughs> right, <laughs> right, right, right." Yeah, you yeah. Know, which so you know, wait, how much? So an S an SE forty four is probably three thirty. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Eh. That's not terrible. No, and it and actually, um, I mean this you know st- stretching stretching of ways to justify this too. Um, <laughs> I've actually been wanting to buy just just like the plain black sport band for a <laughs> long time. It's like the world's bo- you know boringest band, but I do in these <laughs> work from home times that we live in. Like I do just wear the sport band a lot, and. You know, I, I only have a bunch of colored ones, and so having just a neutral black one is has kind of been in the back of my mind for a while. And so, you know, I I chose you know I chose one that came with that, so I'm you know I'm just going to keep that band. So you know, this actually saves money, <laughs> right? Got to spend money to make money. Mm-hmm. So it's you know it's not an ideal situation. I mean, an, an, another way of thinking about it though is, you know, I've never bought apple care on any of my watches so you know it's mm. year, years of not paying for that which has kind of finally now bit me in the butt but well um, to not not to not spoil the apple event i guess that probably made you very upset when they kept talking about how like the redesign geometry or whatever bullshit they said about the thing is like oh <laughs> it, it, it basically never cracks now <laughs> i i did feel like that was sort of a, a personal shot at me yeah I, I i liked jeff williams up to that point but Mm-hmm. And I felt like that was aimed at me, mm-hmm. um, but yeah. Anyway, this whole thing is it's not it's not ideal, but you know, going you know two two and a half more months without an Apple Watch was just not really something I wanted to do. So fair. Um, did, did I ever tell you? Did I, did we talk about this on the show last week? Like what it was going to cost to fix the Series Six. I think you alluded to the fact that it's basically the same cost. Like it was like three hundred dollars, which is basically it's, it's the cost of a new watch. Three fifty. Yeah, for a watch that costs five thirty. I know. 
it, it yeah, it's it's crazy, yeah. and it, it's yeah. a Apple's, um, Apple's greedy. Uh huh. Like we, I didn't, I didn't look at like all the details or like the 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 you know the rep that I was talking to didn't go through all the details. But my impression, and I I looked at this on the website too after the fact that it seems like that's just like a flat rate for just about anything that's wrong with the watch. So it's like, because I think what they end up doing is they just end up basically replacing it. I don't, well, yeah, I don't it's think like, they really. Yeah, it's like if you have an iPhone 12, uh, the cost of the Apple store, if you break the screen, I think is $430. And if they're, if you break anything that's fused to the back, I think it's 600. So it's yeah. basically two thirds the cost of the product uh, itself. Yeah. Yeah, not good. Yeah. Greedy, greedy company. So yeah, that's that's where we are now, and you know, well, so actually, hold on, let me let me pull up the fitness app. Let me see, because you had, you had a few zero days. Oh oh oh, ooh, look who's look who's back on the Peloton train. He, so who got an Apple Watch back and had to prove something? <laughs> I've actually well, you would you wouldn't know it, but I've actually <laughs> been yeah, been back on the the Peloton thing. But I haven't. Oh, had a so watch for the to, week the week that you didn't have a watch, you were like, yeah, yeah I was I was doing classes and and the. The trainer was shouting me out from New York. Right, yeah. right, right. Okay, well, that's cool. Uh, um, yeah. yeah. A couple of the bits from follow-up. There is... Oh, I didn't actually put a link to this. Um, the only reason I put this in here is... So there's... I don't know if we talked about it on the show, but there is a... Um, there's like a recall going on with... Um, not the gov- not the governorship recall. Something else. No, no. A, a fire... <laughs> Well, a fire, that's not also, that's not necessarily not Californian either, but uh, apparently there's a um, a potential uh, flammability issue with some of the second ger- generation um, Chevy bolts with a B. And the only reason I bring this in here, because it's, it's a, it's a, it's a really lazy, stupid COVID joke, but um, General Motors, because of the fire risk, is telling some, uh, some bolt owners that may have more fire prone vehicles than others to park 50 feet away from other cars so now even the electric vehicles are social distancing but i'm sure all right nothing okay uh just yeah i'm just just gonna add some silence there how dare you that was a solid c plus joke okay so was that like on your list of jokes that you've been sitting on for the show was that one like above or below the um the delta airlines one no, that week. I mean that that one occurred to me while I was um uh shaking my bee's knees cocktail. Mm-hmm. Is that when you that's when you do most of your your joke development? Yeah, it's kind of like when you when you're in the shower, a lot of your best ideas come to you when you're in the shower. It's a certain certain environments are more conducive to uh um stupidity than others. <laughs> uh and then one thing we didn't get to last week that I'm actually promoting to this week is and I don't know if there's a lot to say here, but I, I am curious for your take on this, which is um there was a study that came out where um, only 6% of iPhone users in the United States use Apple Pay in a physical context. And I'm just curious if you think, if you think that's high or low and kind of why that has maybe not. Like, cause, I mean, I Apple Pay all the time using my apple watch specifically i don't actually i don't ever use it on the phone and i've again going back to your thing where you felt kind of naked without the watch um it's it's been so it's been so long where i haven't used the phone to ever pay for something so i guess yeah what's do you think this is high do you think this is low 
No, you, you I mean you're totally right about the watch being or um, Apple Pay being a, a big part of the watch, and that was something I, I missed in that that week and a half or so not having a watch. Um, but in terms of this statistic, it, it sounds about right to me because I I never ever see anybody else paying like with any sort of like Android phone or watch or iPhone or whatever. Like I'm I'm always the only one doing that. So that. I don't know, based on like what I see in stores and stuff, that seems right to me. I mean, you you seem like you may have a little bit more day to day insight on something like this, maybe. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, but like, so I would actually that's for my for my insight actually probably true. Um, in in my experience, in my in my non consumer or like in in my day to day experience, but also specifically, like, I mean, I felt like it was maybe becoming more common because I remember, um. Back in like 2015 and 16, like when I would be at Trader Joe's, it it got to the point where like when I had, I think, did the first gen Apple Watch support Apple Pay? I don't think it did, right? Um, well, I I think it probably did because in looking at this um article that'll be in the notes, it says that Apple Pay was introduced in 2014, and that that was before the first Apple Watch, right? Yeah, maybe. But I, I remember specifically at the Larkspur Trader Joe's of somebody being like, oh, like, oh, cool. The, like, we we just switched our credit card readers. This is you and one other guy, whoever, whoever uses, whoever pays this way. And then I always, I was in my head imagined, oh, hey, Jason, Jason still comes here too. But um, <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, I, I sometimes see people, like, I don't, I actually, I don't ever see um, tap to pay really change because um most major credit card issuers as part of the emv chip transition have had to reissue most if not all of their credit cards and and uh chase and i think bank of america and a lot of other card issuers have added um tap to pay as an option on most debit or credit cards and i don't know why but it just seems like americans do not understand or want to use that technology like people are still one they'll still try to swipe their card when they shouldn't then they'll do the the chip the insert the chip thing versus just using the tap thing i don't don't know it's interesting that that hasn't really taken off but the one i forget where i was listening to a discussion of this but the obvious thing is that if you're using it on your phone most iPhones sold in the past three years have been face ID based phones. And if you're in a context where you're wearing a mask or if you're in a, um, a responsible state in the United States, um, you are probably wearing a mask in a shopping context where that experience is pretty crappy on an iPhone right now. That was actually one of the things where it was definitely a regression from the iPhone 8 to the iPhone 10, where even if Face ID, like even if there wasn't the mask thing, Touch ID based Apple Pay was much easier and seamless than even unmasked Face ID Apple Pay. Because you have to look at your phone, then like double or triple click the side button, and then hopefully it works. I don't know. Yeah. It's, like so the stat makes sense but it also feels like a missed opportunity like i don't know how much apple's making off this because i know they do manage to skim like a 
tenth or two tenths of a percent off of each transaction by facilitating the payment. But I don't know. Feels like it should be higher. Well, I think the issue which you kind of started getting into a little bit is that even even with the touch ID based system, and I think it's it's taken a even further step in the wrong direction with the face ID system. But even going back to like the touch ID days, it's just not a ton more convenient to pull your phone out and go through the Apple Pay process than it is to pull out your wallet and pull out, you know, your physical credit card. But with a watch though, it's great. Well, so so that I was going to say, that's what I was going to say next is that I think the, the watch changes that. The watch I think truly is more convenient especially in in you know face id face mask wearing times um that's great but i just i don't know i i guess people just don't necessarily think of their apple watch as being like an apple pay device like you I mean you do get prompted to set up as someone who's just set up an apple watch recently well, i can tell you like you do get prompted to you know set up apple pay when you well, first to- Use it, but to to put a pin in that or to to expand on that real quick, the the Apple Watch and again, somebody who has a lot a lot of context in in setting up Apple Watches all the time, is it asks you like to do like fifty different things during the setup process. It's asking you a lot, so I think most people like they get setup fatigue because it's asking like what what wrist do you want to wear it on? What uh, log into your Apple ID? Do you want find my iPhone turned on? Do you want root tracking turned on? Do you want all this kind of stuff? Where by the time you get to the Apple Pay bar, most people probably are just over the setup process. So I don't know, maybe there needs to be better onboarding or something like this. But yeah, Apple Pay, like for, for me, like my Apple Watch serves three purposes. It's a thing that lets that makes it so that my phone doesn't vibrate in my pocket. It allows me to set timers and it allows me to pay for stuff. Honestly, those like those are the only three three things that matter for me. And it also lets me start like a, a run or a hiking workout that's basically it but I, I like i guess maybe that stuff is still not that clearly explained or like discoverable in the setup process I, I don't know i i don't know how much of this plays into it too but i and i'm sure if you go way back into archives we talked about this on the show when apple pay first became a thing i was kind of self-conscious but paying with my you know iphone like being kind of that guy we well um, yes we we talked about that because I, I I remember there was a show title of hold your hold your wrist closer to the reader or something but yeah um, well and that and that that's, that's what I was going to say next is that it, I think with the watch it, it's like I, I'm mostly just kind of over that now but like it still is a little bit weird especially if like but, the credit card reader is kind of in a weird spot like well also especially now in these COVID times where perhaps there's like plexiglass between like you and the card reader and so you're sort of like finagling your wrist through the small little opening to get it to you know read on the reader and that that's kind of like again like i'm kind of just like well whatever i'm just going to do this anyway but i could see for some people maybe just not even wanting to to do that so i mean that kind of makes sense like i that i don't ever worry about just because like it's it's super easy to click the like just double click the like the the big lozenge button or whatever the I don't know what the the name of the button is called, and then just hold it over the reader for two seconds and then nonchalantly just switch to your wallet if you absolutely have to because like this is the one place that always throws me off is that Home Depot for some reason always has 
um, like modern uh, credit card readers, but that they don't have the uh, RFID part turned on. Right. And I always think like, hey, that doesn't work this time. It never does. Nope. And that's always a, a big bummer because Home Depot is one of my favorite stores otherwise. And also because of that huge data breach they had in 2016, they probably should have that turned on. I don't know. You but, know, it's um, a really, really crappy Apple Pay experience, especially when it happens to you sort of like mid checkout is no. during that time where I didn't have an Apple watch. I, you know, like kind of reflexively went to pay with, you know, my watch. And so <laughs> well, I don't have one on. And I'm like, oh, well, you know, no problem. I have all my credit cards set up on, you know, my iPhone. So I'll mm-hmm. just I'll be pay using Apple Pay with that. Mm-hmm. And so I, you know, do the double click to bring that up. And then what does it do? It, it tries to do face ID. And if I'm wearing a face mask, so I'm like, well, shit. Now it's like, oh, well, you can pay using your passcode. <laughs> so then I'm like fumbling H-Q-N-X-P to... xp <laughs> question mark. Exactly. Um and it was just that that was not that wasn't great and i think i think i did that like once and then from then on out i just you know paid with my regular credit cards and now i'll i guess i'll start using my watch again yeah i mean like every modern amex and chase card has tap to pay so well that actually yeah no that's that's true too like i use that um i was gonna say i'd use that at home depot i don't use that at home depot because they don't support it um, I, I guess I've, I've used that from, from time to time as well. Like, I guess, I guess maybe I used it once or twice, even during this, this, this watchless period. Um, yeah. Any, any place that has a square reader, it's always convenient to have that, to save yourself a little bit of time. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Got way more mileage out of that than I thought. All right. I'd be, I guess I'd be curious. Um, is this an apples to apples comparison? No, no pun intended. Like. <laughs> I wonder with things like mm, even um, <laughs> like CarPlay, like I wonder, wonder if there's like CarPlay usage statistics out there, and I wonder it's if it's probably even something very like, low. It's probably low. Yeah, exactly. Even on my car, like I'm I'm a techie guy. Even on my car, it's a pain in the ass to set up. Like once you've set it up, it's it's great. Um, and like and uh, like mine is wireless, thank goodness. But it's a it's it's not that simple to set up. Well, and it actually, I don't know, maybe it's, maybe it's actually a, a decent analogy because I feel like the dynamics are somewhat similar there where just like, you know, a very, very large percentage of merchants now support Apple Pay, um, you know, a huge number of cars support CarPlay. So like the availability's there, but yeah, I, I'd, I'd be curious to know what the, what the uptake is of that. Cause I, and I do feel like it's sort of telling a little bit where it feels like carplay doesn't really ever get any sort of like attention anymore during like eh. wwdc i mean it gets mentioned but it's it can, not it, it is actually one of the features that is reliably getting better all the time or not all the time once a year but i mean like it it, it, it is it is better as somebody who relies on it a lot them having opened it up to like allow ways and google maps to actually work fully is even though that seems like the bare minimum that they could do um it it's it's pretty great yeah i'd be curious to know what yeah what the usage on that is yeah all right uh new business so 
Man, it feels like forever. Did we skip last week? When did this happen? It happened on Friday. So oh, Friday it was afternoon. In... What, what, uh, Cynthia, what's what's her name? Uh, the judge, I, I don't recall. Uh, I think her name is Cynthia. Uh, let's go with that. Cynthia Gonzalez Rogers. Yeah, doing a Friday night, uh, Friday afternoon news dump. Um, it was like first thing in the morning, wasn't it? I know, but it's, um, it's time just blurs together. Um, so out of the Northern District of California, yeah, it's a state, um, there was a decision in the Epic v. Apple case that was prompted by the whole Epic implementing their own payment system to purchase V-Bucks with excluding or taking Apple out of the equation by allowing them to make um, transactions directly through them, which caused them to get booted off the store within a day and the whole thing. So there was a whole trial which um, had Schiller and Tim Cook appear on the stand and a whole lot of other stuff. And there were tons and tons of juicy emails that came out of it. But that was two months ago and we had to wait for a ruling. And the ruling came out, which was that Apple won on basically all accounts um and it is so it's a question of what you think apple winning means but in general they were ruled and you can correct me on any of this because it's probably wrong because it's my memory is foggy but they were deemed to not be a monopoly on mobile gaming or transactions and that uh, epic did violate the existing contract and that epic does have to pay apple back for the 30% that was not paid to Apple during the period of time that they um, did direct direct in-app payments to themselves. But the big um, newsworthy part of this is the um, injunction uh, section, which, quote, uh, under the order, Apple is, quote, permanently restrained and enjoined from prohibiting developers from including in their apps and their meta, uh, metadata buttons, external links, or other calls to action that direct customers to purchasing mechanisms in addition to in-app purchasing and communi- communicating with customers through points of contact obtained voluntarily from customers through account registration within the app. Which basically means that Apple's, um, and I don't know if it's Apple's term or just like a term that people have ascribed to it after the fact, but all of the anti-steering mechanisms that Apple's had to make it so that you can not, you basically have to pretend that there's no life that exists outside of the app store and Apple's in-app purchase system. So yeah, thanks to this California court ruling, which will, which has already been appealed by Epic and may be appealed by Apple. Um, This goes actually way further than the, Japanese fair I don't even remember it's been so long fair trade commission I think yeah let's go with that um that they previously <laughs> that, that that's what was seen as big news was that Apple was going to have to allow a single link to some type of like external like account management system but now basically this is saying that um Apple is no longer allowed to prevent people from communicating to their customers that there is life outside the walled garden basically and the injunction takes effect in 90 days on december 9th um and apple released a press release saying we won everything's great um and yeah 
So this has been talked to death by every other podcast, but I guess like you could just give give me your overall take on it, and then and then we can move on. It it's a it's a really really big deal, and I think this this is a or I guess will be looked back on as a as a pretty big turning point in, in the app store's history. However, I think all of that. Potentially, I mean, we kind of just have to see how this shakes out, but potentially it could come with some really big caveats because I really feel like the devil's going to be in the details here. And I mean, even before you get to those details, I mean, there's the opportunity for appeals and for delays. So like it, it's it's it, it it's unclear like when this is even really going to start. Can we clarify that what you mean by the devil's in the details is, is Apple going to be shitty and petty about this and and not comply within the spirit of the ruling? C- correct. I- exactly. Like, you know, not, I mean, just, just because, be. just because, you know, just because Apple is Apple required not to prevent this from happening anymore. It by no means is a guarantee that they're going to make it easy or a good experience for either developers or consumers and i've even seen this take there some in some places as well this also isn't saying that apple can't find a way to still take their 30 percent through these external transactions well so, but it wasn't that the, there was a there was a thing when tim cook was testifying that i forget what the question was and this is this is the one thing in the trial that um uh judge gonzalez rogers like she had really 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 good questions to and it was remarked upon in in many places that like much better than actual like uh epics lawyers of like asking necessary and appropriate follow-up questions where there was something about like the conversation was like what would you do if you didn't take a 30 percent cut and then like tim cook on the stand said some dumb shit about like oh but then we'd have to find some other way to invoice them and that would just be confusing which is absolutely insane because it was based off the premise that if they were allowed to take other payment methods, then yes, Apple would somehow still get a 30% cut for no good reason. Yeah. So that's, that's <sighs> sort of, I think, you know, th- this ruling by no means in and of itself just means that you're going to have some simple dialogue box that you can implement as a developer and then use as a consumer where you're prompted with options of paying via, you know, the, basically the in-store method through the app store or through an external link and having it just be this kind of seamless checkout experience either way. Like that seems, that seems very unlikely to come out of this. And I, I think this was a, this was a Jason Snell thing. I don't recall if it was on the six colors podcast or if it was on upgrade or maybe a little bit of both, but you know, he's made the observation that, Apple very much seems from like a strategy standpoint with all of this this app store criticism to instead of taking an approach where they proactively come out with a you know a set of reforms like if they were to come out tomorrow and say all right you know we're cutting the app store feed at 15% across the board in some cases we're even lowering it to 5 or 7% or something and we're going to allow these third-party payment methods, and we're going to, you know, open up open up a bunch of new APIs to allow apps to do different things. Blah blah. Even if they were to like to make a bunch of changes that developers have been clamoring for, there'd still be sort of the risk to Apple that they would continue to get criticized because what they did wasn't enough, 
And so even though they'd proactively, you know, in their eyes, make a bunch of concessions, they still might not ultimately kind of, you know, get everybody off their back. Whereas with this approach of sort of just doing the bare minimum that's required, you sort of prevent that possibility from even happening because you're really then just sort of responding to what you're forced to do. And that, that of course, has risk too because, you know, now with even something like this epic ruling, you know, Apple can't unilaterally decide how they want to handle this. They're ultimately going to have to get it signed off by a court. And, you know, maybe that ends up not being an issue, but, um, yeah, it, the whole thing is, is going to, I think, continue to be really complicated and, and, you know, th this isn't sort of like the end of the story, I guess. And this isn't Ooh. some like happy ending for developers or users of the app store. Not, not, not at all. I mean, I, that, that's, that's a good point, but I guess the, I, I, to round this out, I guess I just want like a simple answer for one thing is that. If you're Tim Cook, why why are you still choosing to fight this battle and 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 to to poke the bear, whether that be legislation or continued litigation? Like, if your developers hate you and you're inviting so much government scrutiny, uh, scrutiny and regulation, and you understand that like the tide is somewhat turning like why keep going with this a while if it were a separate business would be very very significant but relative to the size and scale of your overall two and a half trillion dollar business less significant i guess like why what it, it, pretending you're tim cook and you're waking up at 5 a.m and you're getting business done on your ipad like why why not just be like hey we see this is a concern yes we're leaving some money on the table but we gotta just get this over with like why continue to fight this and not just cut your rate down to 10 percent and get everybody off your back because nobody, nobody, would you agree that nobody would be fighting this if the rate was ten percent for everybody? I'm, I'm sure there'd still be some, but I it does seem, doubt. it seems like it would take a lot of the heat off of them. Because, because you're, because you're paying no matter what, you're paying like Stripe or Adyen or whoever, three to three and a half percent for traditional card processing anyway. I feel like almost nobody would complain at that point, but like, yeah. So, but, but pretending that, like, why? What you're, you're Tim Cook? What what is your reason for continuing this? I mean, I sort of buy into the idea that this is just Apple. This is we almost went out of we almost went out of business. Apple, essentially, and that you know that experience paired with Steve Jobs's personality, which was you know obviously deeply ingrained in the company i i think this is just a legacy of that i i i i can't come up with any other explanation for it because you know i mean presumably you know tim cook and the people around him are incredibly smart people and if they were looking at it strictly from a rational business sense they would understand that this is not really the battle worth fighting and that you know 
a concession here would really free them up in a lot of ways and and allow them to get their focus on the things that that really do impact the bottom line to a significantly bigger degree than than the app store does but it it does seem like it's it you know strict dollars and cents is not the only thing driving the thinking here i think you bring up a good point or 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 your your point leads to a different one which is that like this seems like because tim cook for again i'm feeling like is increasingly a problematic figure has a fairly strong legacy for well this is is twofold one the whole steve jobs opinion and legacy part of this i tend to really not dispute it but i feel like that if if anybody still believes that i feel that's really stupid like i'm he's been gone for a decade and the company has is is to take a Bob Iger word, it's like it, it's it's a transformationally like very very different. Like the Apple of twenty of, of two thousand nine, and Apple of twenty twenty one, is monumentally different in terms of more diverse business operations, the scale and and amount of devices they sell, number the the install base and all that kind of stuff. So uh, allusions to and anecdotes based off of Steve Jobs' legacy. It's like the same people that like are in the Verge comments, like talking about well, if Steve Jobs were still around. Like I feel like all oh, that's like just it's it's really silly and irrelevant at this point. So that I, I I don't think holds up. But also like Tim Cook has done a lot of really important and smart things to allow Apple to scale up. And again, I've I've talked at length for years about the services push and how in a lot of senses that seems misguided, but he's done a lot to diversify Apple's overall business and reliance on the iPhone specifically, but somebody has to be in the room where it happens, where they're saying, um, in, insert the Hamilton music, like to explain of how you could be undoing what a lot of good work by just, hanging on to one very not not unimportant but losing like what's what's the expression Lose, losing sight of the forest through the trees or whatever mm. like i'm sure tim cook's a really smart guy like there has to be i don't think he is somehow like like phil schiller is in his ear just being like no we need this money and actually phil schiller was the one who sent the email like eight years ago that said are we just gonna do this 30 percent forever and Apparently nothing happened with that. I don't know. There, I I don't know who is in his ear telling him to keep fighting this, or if he's the smartest dumb person around. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Like I just, I know some people are just so blinded by a very specific part of their their priors or their their whatever. But I, I don't. I'm very happy. Like this, this ruling seems great. Like because I I don't think Epic was in the right in a lot of ways here. And it sounds like they didn't have a great case otherwise, or it wasn't well argued, but a lot of what Apple's doing is, 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 is pretty lousy. And this does feel like kind of one of, one of the, what if somebody was an outside observer and wanted the most rational and, and whatever moves the ball forward, this is actually a very good outcome. Yeah, but it's going to be a slow and iterative and 
uneven and oftentimes unsatisfying process, I think. Yeah. And it's going to make the iPhone worse. You, you, you mm-hmm. betcha. Like, that, that's the part that's so annoying about this, where if Apple just took it, like, if, if Apple actually believed that we care about customer experience and that's paramount to everything that we do and that guides every choice we make, then they would get off the 30% thing because they know that if they get forced to have to allow other in-app purchase methods or loosen all this stuff up and there's going to be nine different ways to pay for something in an app, that's going to be worse for users and they did it to themselves due to greed? Hmm. Well, with that, (laughs) uh, yesterday, Monday, Tuesday, uh, yesterday, um, oh yeah, recall day, Apple introduced, aptly named their, was it California Dreamin'? California Streaming. Oh, yeah, that's what was the play on. Yeah, uh, the fall, <laughs> fall, iPhone event happened, and it was it was a real blowout, and it was pretty great. So I've got I've got notes for you, Carlos. I have no notes because you told me to watch it, and I woke up at six thirty this morning and put it on on my phone and went back to sleep. So I watched <laughs> twelve of. 78 minutes uh what, what was you, the order of operations you, you you must have you must have listened to upgrade knowing the exact runtime of the episode that is that is exactly right yeah i was somehow awake well actually can i uh, you can talk about everything else but i will give the one takeaway of what was bad about the event i really don't like drone footage so i hated every part of the whole them zipping through california thing like you, I did not know that's not like drone footage. Who are you? Drone footage is awesome. Drone footage is the worst, dude. Like, no, drone footage is what? nice if it kind of emulates what a helicopter would do. But the whole like we're gonna zip around at like fifty times what a human could do, and like it looks is I guess it looks like a pod race. I don't know. I'm trying to I'm trying to put this in your language. Um, <laughs> but the thing where it looks like like I don't like isn't drone racing a thing? Like oh in, yeah in mm-hmm. esports is that yeah uh, or like it all looks so bad and like nausea inducing i hated all of it i don't know i i don't like it because they've, they've made that a focus of every event where like there's all these like quick cuts and stuff about like some camera like flying around apple park i seriously dislike it but the one the one part is i did not know that the san diego symphony had a really awesome like outdoor area that's, yeah, the only, that's the only takeaway I had about this. Otherwise, I hated the rest of it. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't either. I've, I've never actually yeah. it's seen very much like, that part of San Diego. Yeah, like in Chicago, they have in Millennium Park, they have like a really uh, cool outdoor like performing arts center. Um, and yeah, it seems neat. So mm-hmm. one, one day when COVID subsides in 2028, I will head down to the Mission Bay, San Diego, whatever, something like that. Yes, yeah, so the, right. the the California streaming theme it it was kind of neat. Um, it was sort of good to see Apple do something a little bit different. It's it's really felt like up to this point that all of these you know COVID era streamed events have have basically all been the same from like a thematic standpoint. Like they've all just involved flying around to different locations at Apple Park. Um, and you could sort of like probably recut all the events together and have a really hard time even telling like which clip was from which event because they all just kind of looked the same. 
So it was neat to see them do something a little bit different, although that it was only partially the case because they actually did still end up doing quite a bit at Apple Park, including like the entire iPhone 13 Pro segment, so, which was kind of weird. I don't know why the whole thing just wasn't done at various California locations. Um, it was also a little a little unclear as to sort of like like why California really had anything to do with the event, like outside of, I guess, Apple just doing something different in California is what they came up with. Um, some, I guess similar to, uh, Mac OS naming, right? Like when, <laughs> when they wanted to stop mm-hmm. using the, the, um, the animal names or the, the cat names, they, they chose California locations because why not? Um, so that, that, that was sort of, I guess the big takeaway just from like a thematic standpoint, but then in terms of the announcements, so I guess just listing out sort of what was talked about in order we had some apple tv plus stuff and trailers and release dates um i know you're not going to like this and you can dismiss it and that's fine but like apple tv plus like is kind of turning into something like it's 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 got some good looking stuff like i'm i'm excited about the new john stewart show name i'm name six shows Name six Apple TV Plus shows. Uh-huh. Let's see if I could do that here. <laughs> and Ted so Lasso got can the, help you the, pro- the problem with Jon Stewart. Ted, well, of course Ted Lasso can be one of them. What are you talking okay, about? Okay, then you have name seven. <laughs> uh, the Morning Show. Okay, three of seven. See. Uh, as of count. Oh, I'm done with this game. This is stupid. You're gonna hate. You're hate on Apple TV. You're gonna hate Apple TV Plus. Whatever. But I thought no, wait, so I a lot of the I trailers. I don't, I don't hate it. So, th- so there's Little America. There's the one that's by M Night Sh- uh, Shyamalan or whatever. Um, and that's it. And then there's but there's also but the problem is like there's like 20 others that nobody has ever heard of. Anyway, so I guess I guess well, okay. So it's fair point. But I guess my question to you is uh, just in 20 seconds. Is Apple TV like worth it or like like gonna be a going concern or is it still a vanity project? It's it's hard Will to it say. ever be I profitable? Mean, well, probably not, but are any of these streaming services profitable? Like I don't think that's that's, that's I think not, Netflix eventually has has the uh, will. It will will they though? Don't they yeah. continue to lose exorbitant amounts of money? But they they have enough content banked. Like I I what has a greater likelihood of being profitable, Netflix or Apple TV Plus? You'd, you'd have to ask Jason Snell. I don't know. I'm not plugged in enough to that well, stuff. Well, I mean, I'll DM. I'm just, I'm just telling you that I thought some of the Apple TV Plus stuff looked good. That's it's cool. All I'm like, well, no, like it's cool, and I'm excited. I'm excited for the morning show. Like, I mean, I but that, but that's, I guess their and hit I, and rate I do is think, very low. I do think there's something to being a streaming service that chooses to do a smaller number of higher quality shows than just literally bombarding you with 20 new shows a week i I think there's something to that but that's or Mm -hmm. or being like a really random collection of you know old content that you just happen to still have the license to or you can be netflix and do both Eh, i i guess yeah like, cause that, cause that's going off the premise that everybody keeps trying to everybody who's very pro apple is trying to take the the approach of uh apple's apple tv is a new hbo which i i mm, 
I think they're riding the coattails of one very, very, very popular show and then then trying to spin a tale of something else. But well, anyway, so there was some Apple TV plus stuff. um, And then, you know, in order product wise, we had an iPad segment, an Apple Watch segment and a um, iPhone segment. And there was also sort of some fitness plus stuff as part of the the Apple Watch segment. Um, The iPad stuff was sort of a mix of you know, interesting and not interesting stuff, I guess. I mean, from a sort of like a tech enthusiast perspective, the, the, you know, regular iPad. So iPad with no adjective is, you know, I mean, Apple said it right during the segment. It's, it's, but it's, you know, their most popular iPad and it's no surprise. It starts at 329. It's, so it's the least expensive iPad, but from a technology standpoint, it's sort of, you know, it's yesterday's iPad technology. So this new iPad is, is you know, it's still the A13, um, still uses the first gen Apple Pencil, still has, you know, a Touch ID home button, et cetera, um, but did have center stage added to it, which is kind of neat. Um, but then the the interesting part of the iPad segment was the the iPad mini, which really is probably more appropriately named like the iPad Air mini, because that's really what it is, is it's it's basically the latest gen iPad Air, but in a 8.3 inch, you know, screen size. Um, same footprint though as the previous gen iPad Mini, and it, it I mean it looked really, really great. You know, the flat edge design, you know, high color gamut display, USB C, 5G, 5G, second gen Apple Pencil support. Um, it's um, it's it's a it's a really really it's a cool cool looking iPad. It is so so a couple a couple things here. I think the iPad Mini is actually kind of a an oddly important product for Apple, where it hasn't it hasn't gotten much attention in like two and a half years, and oddly, um, I think there was like a a one year stretch where it only came in like 128 gig storage capacity. It was like it was like weirdly expensive. But no, the iPad mini is actually very critical to a lot of different businesses where um, like many, many businesses will run their point of sale off of it where a 10 inch iPad is is just too big. Um, so even though it's not the right product for a lot of people, it is important that it stays competitive. And yeah, I mean, you're, you're absolutely right where I didn't initially make the connection that it's basically like a shrunken down iPad air with 5G, but it seems, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it seems pretty cool and it's nice that they they kept it around because like there there are a lot of specialized industries that need this where i feel like if if you just look at like joe average consumer buying one most people are probably not choosing the mini but the mini fills in a lot of gaps for a lot of industries where it is necessary so modernizing it is pretty important yeah, I totally agreed. The the only kind of negative thing I came away from this part was the iPad product lineup just continues to be a confusing mess, like both from a naming perspective and from just a like specs perspective where so like I I I put this on my notes. So like in rough order of sort of like worst to best like it strictly in terms of like technology like the order of ipads would be ipad ipad mini ipad air ipad pro 
But then that comes with a bunch of caveats where the iPad mini actually now has a newer generation processor than the iPad Air does. I think it also has does it? a new it it does. It, so the, the, the iPad the mini well the the iPad Air is the A14 and now the iPad mini is the A15. Oh, so it's the same one that the iPhone 13 has. Yeah, they they did kind of a weird, weird thing during okay. the event where the iPad mini was, you know, before the iPhone segment. And so during the iPad mini section, they never said what processor was in it because I guess they didn't want to announce the A15 until they got to the iPhone segment. Um, but it it did. Well, it was confirmed after the event. That the iPad mini is, is this. It's the same exact version of the A15 that's in the iPhone 13 Pro, which mm-hmm. has a um, an extra GPU core as compared to the iPhone 13. Um, so it's a newer generation chip compared to the iPad Air. It also um, supports, this is more in your wheelhouse, but it supports, I think, more bands on 5G or something than the iPad Heck Air yeah. does. Mm-hmm. Um, I think has a newer gen screen that's, I think, brighter and you know more colors, et cetera. It's got the, the P3 color gamut or whatever. Yeah, so it's it's like a funny thing where the iPad mini starts at a lower price and has a smaller screen, but is technologically superior to the more expensive, bigger iPad air in eh, some the, ways. But the, the air is five ninety nine, Right. And this starts at four ninety nine. Again, don't, don't tell anybody I said this, but 5G is not that important. So, um, I don't think that's a big deal in the air the air got refreshed. When did the air come out? Last fall? I think so. Yeah. I mean, it'll get refreshed eventually. Like, I... No, it, it totally will, but it just... It it it, it feels like the well, iPad lineup's always been this way, where because well, yeah. the products in the lineup kind of get refreshed at different times, but the, like... Well, that's, but also, that's sort of, what I'm saying is, like, the Mini never gets touched. Like, they update it once every two and a half years, and they leave it alone forever. I guess what I'm saying is that if you were like a consumer who decided that, you know, the iPad Pro was more than you needed and was more money than you were looking to spend, but you wanted something a step up from the iPad, like putting the iPad mini and the iPad Air side by side is is kind of a weird, it's a weird comparison. It is, but but I, I that's, a, that's an absolutely a fair point. And I think that's a smart point, but I think... Most people are deciding on screen size before ever getting to the point where they're looking at the fact that to specs. Yeah, I mean, pr- probably. Um, but, but, I th- but I think that's that's fair. And I, I don't know if you said this or if this is something I took from another podcast where it kind of feels like it's iPad Air Mini, like that, that maybe those two product lines should be maybe merged a tiny bit. I don't remember, but... Well, and, um, the, and, the, and the the Air... The Air name also is super confusing because MacBook Air designates the least expensive MacBook, but then with the iPad, it's the iPad without the Air naming that's the least expensive. It's just it's their the naming conventions across the board with Apple is is weird. Well, like plus, plus like Air. <laughs> like i mean like a- apple's naming has been very convolu- convoluted and not good anymore and the same thing where like we'll talk about the iphones where the, what what does pro mean anymore 
So. I feel like I feel like the pro moniker though can have more things ascribed to it than like Air. Like the 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 original MacBook Air, that was a good name and it made sense for what that product was, but I don't really even understand exactly what Air is supposed to indicate anymore. Cuz like with the MacBook, it's not like a MacBook Air is all that much lighter or thinner than just a MacBook Pro is. Yeah, uh, and with, uh, the, with the iPad Air, I don't, I don't think the iPad Air is any thinner than a iPad Pro is, is it? No, but I mean, but as somebody who mistakenly or, or misguidedly owns two iPad Airs, um, I'm happy it exists because it's not an iPad Pro, because iPads are bad and the iPad Pro is unnecessary. I I don't know, like it's, it. Do you need a middle name? Like, because what are they going to do? Like, because they would have to have something. Like, what what's i iPad? I don't know, but like you need something between because like the iPad no name needs to exist for education purposes and also for people who want just a like a passive 10 inch screen that they can watch Netflix on and that grandma can email from the iPad Pro is for people who don't have enough sense to buy a Mac and still want to spend a thousand dollars on a device and the iPad Air is for everybody else. So like. Otherwise, it would just have another name that's not iPad Air. So I get your point where when the MacBook Air came out, like it was the whole like it fits in a manila envelope and it's half the weight of our regular computer. And in an iPad context, it makes no sense. But also, what else are they going to call it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, I'm sure we could workshop something, but... um yeah, but yeah, I mean, we have a history of coming up with great products. I'm on still this show. pissed. If I had enough initiative, I would have re-recorded something for the community thing. But <laughs> I don't know, but like the the iPad banter, I don't know. Can you can you please get caught up on Ted Lasso? Uh, yeah, I know. I, I need to do that. Mm-hmm. All right. So is that enough for the iPad Mini? That's enough for the iPad Mini. So next okay. segment was the Apple Watch. I mean, we've already oh. hit on the biggest news here well, which is so, so available this, later this fall so this i mean so i don't think there's a whole lot to talk about here but i think the main thing is and i don't and i this this makes me a little a little grouchy but a lot there are you, a lot of rumors you grouchy about apple stuff that really hasn't that hasn't come across on this show at all <laughs> michelle obama once said when they go low we go high so <laughs> Uh huh. Yeah, me and Michelle are gonna go go over here. Anyway, um, there were a whole lot of rumors that there was gonna be like the the the, the Series Seven or or whatever there was gonna be like a big this this is gonna be the first year that the I, Apple Watch doesn't look the same. And I think a lot of people wanted to believe that, and I believed it. And like, and also, but also, I didn't care. But this was not that year. The flat-edged Apple Watch that was going to maybe break Apple Watch Band compatibility did not materialize. We have a new Apple Watch, which, um, again, no no jokes at your expense, but uh, that they kept highlighting during the event uh, is like nearly unbreakable or something, or like that we've adjusted the geometry of the screen where it's like 71% less likely to crack or something. When I, when I, when I groggily watched that at like 7.03 AM this morning, I was like, ah, oh, that's, that's, that's rough. That was very much a, a jab in the eye coming straight from Cupertino to, to Ryan. But I mean, meh, 
I, I guess the part about this that makes me so underwhelmed is I feel like the this new watch face that they've made to show off the even less bezel-y Apple Watch is so fucking ugly. I do you like the the this weird like the numbers bleed off into the edges Apple Watch? Uh well no, I mean that's that's a watch face that I'm that I'm not not gonna be using. I it's really ugly really ugly but i mean i guess good but otherwise it is very much like if you're gonna be like me who's still using the modular face because that's the only um like useful apple watch face same Mm -hmm. like i i tried to make the infograph one work it's way worse like all of them are worse i don't know like the modular one show me my fitness rings show me the time show me when the sunset's gonna set (laughs) <laughs> um and allow me to set a timer and that's basically all i want and the new the new modular face looks good but it, in, it in takes the event, advantage but in the event they said it has like only two complicate like she she had this weird qualifier where it's like oh no does it not work like during the presentation they mentioned that like the new because they had one was it a fitness watch face I don't know. The lady who was presenting it made a qualifier that I feel like it might not be that useful. But but I'm but I'm hopeful. I share your optimism. Well, I'm I'm looking on the the page, the just you know Apple dot com slash Apple Watch Series Seven, and if you have to scroll way way down, but there is a section that shows <laughs> the modular watch face, and it there's some there's some neat stuff here that seems like it it takes good advantage of the bigger screen without really spilling over the edges like that that one watch face that they showed off did yeah i like on the apple page where they have for every series seven one they have in, in red writing uh ships later this fall <laughs> yeah harsh yeah oh no that was the thing where it the yeah the modular one it shows like really rich detail but it's only fitness data that's the part that made me nervous um well i i'm sure third parties will um have have some um solutions for that yeah 50 percent thicker front crystal the front crystal is over twice as thick at its tallest point than apple watch series 6 adding strength and durability how, uh, how dare oh, you one follow-up question though because this is one of the reasons i've always bought uh the on top of the fact that i want space black i always buy the steel apple watch and not the sport the steel one always came with the more durable and scratch resistant um like sapphire crystal thing so is that no longer a difference the the so i actually was trying to look at the different material options on the page yesterday um but there's there's very little information to separate out the aluminum from stainless steel because there's, there's no titanium. buy button on this to like try no. to do like a customization. And the only the only um, finish that they really go into detail on, like in terms of showing you all the different colors and everything, is the aluminum option. There's very little on the page about either the stainless steel or um titanium options and the reason that i was kind of interested in seeing stainless steel and titanium in particular was because i think i'm gonna have so i i've 
ever since day one with the Apple Watch, I've just been an aluminum, you know, what I guess what used to be called like the sport version Apple Watch. Like I've never mm-hmm. gotten any of the stainless steel or other finishes. I've always just gotten like the space gray aluminum. But the problem I'm going to have this year is that, so there's five colors in the aluminum. There's blue, product red, starlight, whatever that is. Which is vaguely yellow silver. Right. Green, mm. which you would think I'd be really excited about. And it, it, it's a very, very nice looking shade of green. But I just wouldn't want to be wearing a green watch all the time. I have too many bands that would not go very well with the green body and i don't know especially for like more formal stuff i just i don't know having a green watch all the time you know like if i was super duper fancy and rich and had like was living like a multi (laughs) apple watch lifestyle you know maybe there'd be a place for a green apple watch but for it being you know the only watch you know i ever wear green green's just it's that's too much um and then the fifth color is something called Midnight, which is, I guess, sort of their new space gray. But from all of the product pages and from what people have sort of been saying on podcasts and things, it seems like it has a little bit of like blue to it, maybe. So it's kind of like a Mm. blackish, grayish blue. And that I don't really want that either. So if I want just regular like gray or black, it that kind of puts you into like the stainless steel or titanium category, I guess. Yeah. So so I've got a well, but then it, it's a slippery slope because from what I can tell, I sort of like the black finish on the titanium more than the I think what's it called graphite on the stainless steel. Well, I mean, because I but have then the titanium the... starts to get it starts to get kind of pricey. So it's yeah, kind of seven hundred dollars, like, whatever. Okay, you, you you just you you're, you're riding a Peloton, do whatever you do whatever you got. Um, because no stainless steel, like it comes with either the super shiny one or it comes in space black, which I've had for three generations, and it I I think it looks objectively I gorgeous. I don't think that's the case this time, though. No, did they discontinue I it? I think I think the stainless steel is just graphite, gold, and starlight. Yeah, I'm, I'm not on board with Mike Hurley's plan of getting that gold Apple Watch. Um, you you, you say you say it, something but... you say something interesting, and I'll try to try to look this up here. Oh, that hasn't happened in 300 episodes. So I'm not sure why it happened now. Uh, I don't know, man. Like this is, I don't what what this is a very very iterative upgrade. And this actually it might go into what we're going to talk about with the Apple Watches or with the iPhones, where everybody's talking about is this a 12s or is this a 13? But I feel like we just, we kind of miscalibrated on our hopes and wishes for this type of thing, and this ultimately being a slightly nicer Series Six, which in and of itself was a slightly nicer Series Five, and it's kind of been two years and nothing's nothing's really happened with this thing. So 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 real time follow up. I'll I'll put this helpful CNET article in the notes. So stainless <laughs> steel. This is a site to uh, the points guy. <laughs> that's right yeah to bring uh yet another offline conversation online mm-hmm. 
Um, so the stainless steel model this year does in fact come just in silver, gold, and graphite. Yeah, how dark is graphite though? It see like I I have an Apple Watch like a third party knockoff Apple Watch band which is graphite which is allegedly color matched to the graphite color they've been using on the stainless steel and it's 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 a pretty light color I would say um so and then you have to go up to titanium which comes in a natural gray color and space black Mm. so Which... you, brought, you brought up a point that i was gonna forget because in, in my groggy um 7 a.m watch of this keynote i did sc- manage to screenshot this did you see the part about the hermes thing well, i mean which part so i just sent you a link it's actually the hero image on this website this watch band is so dumb like look well, i mean look all at the, the hermes no but look at it this silly. is this is like a parody of itself like it's a watch band that looks like a normal watch band that somehow just like looks like like a sausage link just coming off like that yeah. got wrapped in a weird way like it is Ooh, they have an orange one <laughs> this looks so ugly yeah well they're the yeah their hermes bands have never never been i mean and they're not they're not Wait, for me what but... is this orange one because that looks like just a standard sport band, but somehow it just has the but it like, has an the, Hermes the, logo. But on the it. button, how much? How much does that cost? A, a lot. These, if, if you think the you think the stainless steel and titanium finishes are expensive, but wait till you see these Hermes <laughs> models. They're really pricey. This is trash. Um. Anyway, like again, Apple Watch, bit of a snooze this year, and specifically for you, due to your unfortunate um need to swim uh you're gonna be rocking a series three for a little while so if, on the, on the... S, se but uh, yeah oh, i mean yeah. for all for all the yeah for all the years for the apple watch to be delayed this was a uh, an unfortunate one well but tim was like we, we bring out the morning show on time or we get him an apple watch and he's like no he wants to see jennifer aniston talk about covid so uh, yeah um i'm, I'm... <laughs> I'm only moderately looking forward to that show coming back. I I believe in Bradley Cooper. iPhones. The iPhone 13 and 13 Pro. Yeah, so Apple very, has... very, very similar lineup to last year. Four models, you know, two that are branded iPhone 13. So you've got the iPhone 13 mini and I guess regular iPhone 13. And then you've got the iPhone 13 Pro and the um iphone 13 pro max and sort of like i guess if you just asked anybody to like you know basically write down guesses as to like what the um updates would be it's you know or if you had like a bingo card with all the possible choices like it would probably be very easy to guess right faster processor better camera new colors etc etc um was there was there anything that stood out for you with these about the apple watch or about the iphone in general yeah um uh, i mean a a few things so i mean we'll probably get into nitty gritty details nitty gritty details later i think the so all of these iphones are very very iterative updates the 13 pro is the more interesting 
part of this, which is, uh, and I would relate most of this to the cameras, where the camera bump on the 13 Pro is getting very, very, very large relative to the size of the phone itself. Uh, There's no longer a difference in the camera module between the Pro Max and the Pro. We uh, astute listeners will remember uh, last year, the 12 Pro Max had a slightly shifted uh, telephoto lens that was a two and a half times mimicking a 65 millimeter focal length telephoto zoom. And now the 13 Pro and Pro Max have a 3x optical zoom that is closer to 75 millimeters. But in general, especially if you go to Apple's uh, iPhone, apple.com slash iPhone product page, if you look at the 13 Pro, not the Pro Max, just relative to the size of the medium size Pro, that camera bump is, is pretty gosh dang big. Um, but Sierra Blue looks pretty cute. Uh, yeah, I I don't know. I, I actually was going to go a different direction there and say that with color the camera colors bump. on the Pro, I I don't really love any of them. I well, I, they, I, they, I, I the mean, Sierra, they... go for it. The Sierra Blue is I it's okay. I mean, there's there's all there's always the one uh, like they just keep cycling through like they just go into Adobe Illustrator and they randomly they just pick a random color like there's always this there's the well, graphite or spray- blue or green yeah like the the graphite that they always have it's always a very bad shade of gray well then that's right like, that's I mean, the, that's the, the one that's the problem the black phone is always ugly now right like well yeah exactly like space gray used to be reliably the safe choice safe yeah exactly <laughs> it, it, was, now... it was a, it was a center left democrat and now it's <laughs> Yeah, I mean, now, like, you know, graphite replaced space gray on the iPhone last year, and that, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at mine now, and it's, it's, it's okay, but it's, it's, I think, a step back, and, you know, now there's, like, midnight on the Apple Watch, which, um, you know, is, um, although it's confusing, because, like, on the iPhone 13, so the non-pro, there there's a midnight finish there as well and that it looks much more it looks much darker and less blue than it does on the apple watch series 7 so i don't i don't know if it's a different shade than it is on the apple watch or if it's just these product images it's i don't know the the colors are the colors are extra confusing this year especially because they've come up with very nondescript names in some cases like there's pink and blue which okay fine but then there's midnight and starlight <laughs> so some I mean, colors get unique names and some don't i, I don't know yeah i mean I, I don't know like i i always just choose whatever ships first like basically my, my choice is always not gold and soon a ship date and i don't know i i i, I think the baby blue is interesting like i i very like my phone that i have for work is a an 11 pro in that god-awful green color like i and i and i and i resent that phone but the what is what is it called pacific blue what's the 12 pro called uh the 12 pro sierra blue 
No, that's 13 Pro. Wait, so what were you what were you asking me? Like the phone I have my hand. Uh, I have the blue iPhone 12 Pro. Was it Pacific was it mid, Blue? Mid, Pacific I was going to say Midnight Blue, but I think I'm getting that confused with Midnight for this year. No, yeah, you know, I think you're right. I think it's 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 I mean, Pacific. Yeah, blue. I mean they always just pick some random color and I think Pacific Blue looks fine, but like who's looking at the back of their phone? I don't know. Like I mean you're look, you're looking at the screen and this beautiful the uh, 120 or I, I don't even care. Oh, we didn't talk about that. Do you do you care about the screen refresh rate? Like all these people that have been clamoring for promotion, I I don't I don't care. Um like I I, I mean yeah, I, I I think it'll be nice. I I guess like when I think about my iPad Pro, I it I guess the whole promotion thing kind of just blends into the background. Like I don't there's not there's not a lot of cases where I'm using it and I'm like, oh wow, yeah, the screen does look so much better with its higher refresh rate. So I I don't I just I don't know how big of a difference it's really gonna make in practice. Yeah. Yeah, I mean I I don't know. Like I it always goes into that weird uncanny valley of of like of high refresh rate video and I've always found like cuz none of the iPad like my iPad Air does not support 120 hertz and I don't actually think I've ever had a full-time device that does 120 hertz so I've always found the scrolling behavior on the iPad Pros whenever I do use them to look weird. But I assume that's something that you get used to pretty quickly. Um, but other than that, like, I mean, the 13 Pro, like, all the iPhones are very, very unexciting. Like, and this is something that I'm not sure we really have time or the technical depth to talk about. But uh, there was somebody with the Substack newsletter who did an analysis about the A15. And it seems like Apple may have hit a wall in terms of the... Um, year-over-year processor performance because one thing that they did was on all the slides they made comparisons to like the competitive landscape of processors and not and they did not do what they normally do which is say oh yeah and this is supports x number of operations more than last year's processor or this is a 40 percent year-on-year increase in terms of total neural hash blah blah blahs and whatever so it does sound like this is kind of a snooze in terms of processor upgrades. So mostly this is a, the battery got a little bit better because maybe the 5g radio is more efficient and the camera's better. I don't know. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm, I don't have like a, like a strong moral position on whether this should be called the 12 S pro or not, but it does seem like kind of a, a, a snooze of a year for an upgrade. Yeah. The, um, the lack of a more significant processor upgrade, I think, is is interesting because there really has been this, you know, trajectory that the iPhone processors have had over the years where they've made some some pretty substantial year over year improvements. And that doesn't seem like it's the case this year. It seems like maybe on the GPU side there's some solid improvements, but on the CPU side, it it seems like it's basically flat year over year. And that I think that's also supported by the fact that Apple, you know, didn't really make any mention of that during the keynote, which is which is unusual for them. So yeah. so yeah, I mean a very, very iterative update. But, you know, I I feel like you can, you know, cut and paste this conversation probably for 
years and years now where we've had lots of these iPhone updates that are that are relatively iterative but but mostly within the context of being compared to last year's phone and you know most people don't buy a new phone every year so you know if you're somebody yeah. who's had an iPhone for a few years now like yeah this is a significantly better phone yeah so uh, two quick bits. Sorry, while well, scrolling on the webpage, uh, near the bottom of the apple.com/iphone-13-pro, uh, no one does 5G like iPhone. That's a pretty lazy copy. Um, you paid more attention than the uh, at at the keynote than I did. The notch got slightly smaller. Did they mention that Face ID got any faster? Or, no, like that's, that was that's that was like, a really really disappointing thing for me coming out of the event where I was bummed last year there wasn't a story about you know hey we've come up with sort of a solution now that we're all wearing face masks but you know it was like well okay you know iPhone features and you know even like software too is locked kind of way ahead of time so you know maybe September last year didn't give them enough lead time but you, I, I sort of thought like well surely next year there'll be some story for that and i kind of figured we'd finally get you know a combination touch id face id but you know not only didn't we get that but we didn't get any sort of story around face id better supporting face masks so i guess this apple watch unlock thing is still the kind of the story that apple has which is it's okay but it's not it's not good enough yeah so yeah, no, 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 no noted improvements in Face ID other than the smaller sensor array. Yeah, um, I, um, I've actually got an I got an Apple Watch thing for you. I kind of want to go back to that sure. I, I, that I just noticed. So you you actually alluded to this when we were in talking about the Apple Watch. How with the Series Seven, there's no there's no buy page, and there's really there's been no information about pricing or anything. But the Series 6 is still available to purchase. And you can, you know, you can click the buy now button and go through all the options and everything there. And as far as I can tell, there's been no price reduction on the well, Series 6. Well, yeah, because the, the 7's not available yet. So but, why, if somebody wants to buy a high-end Apple Watch, why take the price hit? But, so do you... Do you think that when the Series 7 comes out, that then the Series 6 will get a price cut at that point? Or do you think no, the Series well, I don't, 7 is going to be even more expensive than the Series 6 was? No. So I don't remember from the keynote, but normally, like, because when the iPhone fit, uh, part of the presentation finished, they laid out the product page that showed that the, the active models that will continue to be manufactured and marketed were the iphone se at the low end starting at 399 the 11 starting i think at 5 599 or 550 the 12 and the 13 and 13 pro so i don't think this i don't remember to be honest but i don't think the series 6 continues to exist but they're not going to stop selling it until they have something to take its place so i if i recall correctly it's going to be series 7 series or and then se and then series three, because Tim wants to keep something around that without cellular starts at one ninety nine for the thirty eight or forty. Yeah, I don't think the oh, series so six guess, stays around. Oh, so I guess no. Okay, so I, I'm I'm looking at this Newsweek article that I'll also throw in the notes, and they do have a screenshot from the event, and it, it does say that the series seven starts at three ninety nine. 
and seems to this slide also seems to imply that once series seven comes out it'll yeah it'll just be series three se and series seven so i guess the series six will go away at that point and then the, the series seven will just basically come in and, and replace it yeah i'm trying to scroll through the um the video um and i don't understand i is was he supposed to be a big sir where where was he yes i think that was big sir yeah so if, if you got the video up i do have it here now so um at the 28 minute and 20 second mark yeah they show that the current models will be apple watch series 3 at 199 um se at 279 and series 7 non-cellular 40 millimeters starting at 399 right well good luckily for or good for you um that they are appears for the series seven that for marketing purposes the green one is taking uh, center stage so yeah yeah i'm 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 still i'm <laughs> you can be one of those apple. people that has cases on their that puts a case on their eye apple watch <laughs> i'm i'm apprehensive about this midnight color on the aluminum yeah i i, just, I like i've been spoiled with space black it's a very classy look and if if i don't want to want a gray watch so, I, I mean, don't that, want a red that, watch. That puts, well, that puts you up into the titanium. Well, that I don't though. care. Like, it's, it's not the money. Like, because the steel and the titanium are like within fifty dollars of each other. I'm already resigned to the fact that, like, oh, are they? There's not. Yeah, because the stainless steel watch has always been seven fifty every year for the um, cellular one. But my problem is, like, I still have a Series Five, and two years of using it for like extended hikes and runs without my phone. I feel like the I haven't noticed it, but I feel like the battery is probably two years of heavy use. It's probably not going to make it another year, mm-hmm. but it's going to suck if the color is not available, but yeah. All right. You got anything else on the phones? Uh, I consult the notes here. Um, I guess the question I had for you was, um, like you're you're the residential professional photographer here. Like, are you are you impressed by any of this stuff or no? Or no? The cinematic no. the cinematic video is dumb. That um, seems kind of silly. The I, it, here's the thing from upgrade that I didn't actually because again I wasn't paying attention to the keynote. <clears throat> the I forget what they were talking about photography pipelines or something. I don't. I have no idea what that is. The camera upgrades. Well, actually, the one thing I did want to talk about is that I will. I've actually found myself using the 2X camera a lot more because um, actually this might be something that's relevant to you now that you purchased an 85 millimeter lens is I'm sure you probably noticed that a um, more standard or like longer focal length has less subject distortion where the image looks more of flatter and therefore better. Mm hmm. And I have frequently been using the 2X lens on my 12 Pro a lot more. And for the most part, it's actually not that like tight. Like it's actually uh, suitable in a lot of cases to get like a, a flatter and more pleasing image. But 3X is, I'm not sure that's a good change. Like I don't, I don't, I don't have like a big like moral argument here, but I don't know, 75 millimeters is kind of a lot for a phone camera. So that seems like maybe a bit of a step back. But otherwise, I mean the cameras look better, but all of the software features like the 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 rack focusing or any of that kind of nonsense like that it's it's just more 
portrait mode hokey pokey that not anybody needs. I don't know. But yeah. Anyway. Another year. <laughs> the, uh, yeah, so we'll, we'll again, when the iPhone 14 comes out, we'll still be wearing masks and it's just the world, the stuff never runs. It's like the, the COVID's like the Roomba you never stop paying for. <laughs> That's too long. To be is, that, is that what they say? Uh huh. All right. A... Um, unfortunately, I, I do want you to tungle. I, I do like a lot of the things that are in the grab bag. So please don't let those go by the wayside, but we're running super long. Yeah, so that's, that's what the that's what the loss the loss carry forward. Yeah, but you you get you get pretty aggressive about pruning that. Well, I, I mean, I have to because here we are at almost a two hour show. <laughs> yeah, can I, one thing just put a put in the show notes. I do want people to go watch this uh, MKBHD thing that had um, the Tesla Model S against a Ford Mach E versus like a traditional gas audi suv of kind of how much time does uh an ev charging cost you like on a road trip and like the practicality of it it was a very very fun and interesting video did you have a chance to watch it it's okay if you didn't i have not no uh can i give you a spoiler for it sure the maki has a very hard time oh well yeah that was i know (laughs) I, I recall when reading about the Maki, that was something it got kind of dinged for. It was I guess the 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 fast charging stuff around it was not not they, very good. Yeah, the team that did that one, and like again, uh, Marquise Brownlee, like he does not like he is does not he's like a, a YouTube personality who's not a YouTube personality. He doesn't do any of that like a s- sensational nonsense. Like they they tried, they did everything in a very like fairly like casual but also kind of scientific way. Um, they used like the Ford pass electrify america app they went to multiple chargers that were broken or would only charge at like 10 kilowatt hours instead of the 250 that was stated it, they had a they had a rough time where like on the the i think the times were like to go like 600 miles on the on the audi gas car including stops it was like 10 hours the model the s was like 10 hours 55 minutes and the uh, Mach-E was like 16 hours because all the chargers were broken. It was it was rough. Yeah, I haven't looked at it in a ton of detail, but I, I do kind of casually pay attention to it when I'm out and about, and especially like when I'm on longer road trips. Um, owning an EV that's not a Tesla and having to rely on these third-party charging networks like seems like it's probably okay in most cases but he seems like it's probably not great he made a good he made a good flawed analogy and he and he acknowledged immediately that it wasn't a good analogy but he was like the tesla supercharger network is kind of like lightning on the iphone where you because it's all first party you kind of know what you're going to get where electrify america and what is it? What's it's not e- Chatamo EV, EV Go, or but there's oh, what's the name of the charger? CEG maybe I don't I don't it, know I, I yeah I, I don't know they've all talked they've all got weird <laughs> weird names but he's like that is much more like USB C where allegedly it's more interoperable and friendly but you also the fact that it's not first party is also not that reliable like again he he, he acknowledged it wasn't a perfect analogy but it was it was kind of 
interesting that it it panned out that way but yeah strongly strongly recommend people watch the video it, it was it was super cool and it's it's very entertaining um yeah man the and you know, and yeah currently gas cars for the, for the win kind of but um i guess it seems like char- charging with non-tesla evs feels like something you would just have to think a lot more about Whereas I like I think I've I've been trying to make that point on on the show with well, my longer car trips recently is that supercharging kind of makes it well there you don't really have to think much about charging. Well, so, so again, you sh- you should watch the video because he makes a good point where and and this is something that I hadn't seen before that you have talked about where he was showing off how the in car navigation system on the Tesla works where as you're planning your route you're able to see the superchargers on the way and also mm-hmm. see one what speed they can charge at and also how many stalls are in use Correct. what the energy ra- like i had never actually seen what that interface looks like and it was very nice and it's, re- the, it's really good yeah but for the mach e he was like okay well the, the people who were like in that team were explaining like oh well we made the mistake of trusting the car's navigation system and the fact that the ford pass thing like because they they had on one of the stops they did they called like the customer service number just being because like they just didn't have the range to get where they need to and they called the thing and they're like oh yeah it looks like it's offline on our end then but they weren't like yelling at the customer service person but they were like then how does the car not know that to tell you not to go there and it was just it it was a mess and the ford software sucks and it was just it was not good at all so it yeah fun experiment and also a good look at the um the Tesla software and also the Model 3 or the Model S that he had had the the stupid flight yoke steering wheel oh. and yes it looks it looks just as dumb as it does in every other example but anyway yeah yeah there's there's some good YouTube videos showing how completely impractical that new steering yoke thing is in a lot of situations like on the on the freeway, it's and it's probably totally fine. If you're having but to do like, like a three point turn or something, yeah, you're just gonna it's look a like mess. It, I guess. Yeah, yeah. All right, we'll 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 save East Cut Crossing for next week. Yes. All right, Chef Specials, what you got? I haven't given you um, an ice cream recommendation in a long time. No. We do that from time to time here. But I'm gonna I'm gonna give you one here. Um, I'm a Ben <sighs> Ben and Jerry's fan. I'm not ashamed of it. I'm mostly past the point of eating an entire pint at once but you know not saying it could never happen um but this is a um this is a flavor i came across recently i i I make it a habit of whenever i'm in the grocery store to kind of look at what's going on with ben and jerry's and because they're always coming out with new flavors and this is a um what they brand as a limited batch flavor whatever that means um called totally unbaked which is a kind of uh, a spin on their uh, half baked flavor um and this is chocolate and vanilla ice creams with brownie batter swirls and gobs of chocolate chip cookie dough i think you mean and it's (laughs) it's 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 very very good that's what i've got yeah Okay, that's that's cool. I Ben and Jerry's. I don't know. I I don't have a I don't have a lot of affinity for. Did you ever try? Um, uh, I forget if it was Stephen Colbert or Jimmy Fallon. They had like a a collaborative 
flavor with him called late night snack did you ever have a chance to try that one it had potato the, chips the, in it the potato chips i did yeah it, that it one was, was pretty good it was it was okay yeah. yeah but still rest in peace three twins and they had a, yeah that one they had their uh mint con- i think it was called mint confetti and also they had a sergio romo mexican hot chocolate one which is pretty pretty great the thing that I like with Ben and Jerry's is um, they're just they're, the flavors are unique and they're constantly coming out with with new ones, and I I like that. I like I like trying weird flavored things, which you know listeners of this show should know by now. Yeah. Um, I don't really have one this week. I will maybe. I've been forcing myself to use a uh, camera lens that I bought a while ago and have not used much at all. Um, I bought it as an impulse buy when I was on a road trip through Oregon because of um, the no tax situation because B&H charges tax now. Uh, it is the, uh, don't, don't Google the price. It is the Sony 135 millimeter G Master lens. Wait, Sony 135 millimeter G. I gotta see how expensive. I won't don't say don't look at the price. Um, Oof. it's I'm gonna uh, I've got some pictures I'm sorting through, and I've been I've been trying to force myself out of this kind of a uh, summertime um, photography funk, just because I just haven't had a lot of time to do stuff. Um, it's pretty great. Again, it's imp- entirely impractical for you, because I mean I think I think the 85. Uh, millimeter that i bullied you into getting uh is probably the edge of the heaviest lens you would ever fathom carrying it it, it probably is given the type of photography i'm yeah i'm doing where I, it's you know a lot of like family events and sure. things like you so know the, i'm already with the 85 i'm already kind of like 85 is great it's it's a little bit it, too tight but it, the when you get the right photo it's rewarding no it's it's, it's a really really good lens but yeah i am I am sort of often sort of, you know, standing in the opposite corner of the room kind of thing, <laughs> which is fine. But everybody, but yeah, everybody I, getting close. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, the one the 135 is, it has a very unique look to it. Um, and I've I got actually some decent photos out of it this weekend that I'm being lazy about editing. So I'll post those later this week. But tentatively, that's a chef special. But again, yeah, it's, it's not the right lens for anybody except a very sl- small number of people, um, which is probably why it's priced the way it is. So anyway. you're using this for like what kind of shots? Uh, it's good for out. It's great for portraits and outdoor shots. So I, I will give you some examples that make more sense once I finish editing them. But it's, it's very good at. Um, it gives you a little bit more reach than the 85 would. I mean, obviously due to the focal length, but it also gets really good separation and. Like the transition zone is very nice. Does that make sense? Do you know what that means? I I, I don't know what that means. You're getting too too fancy the, on me here. The area in the image where it's gradually blurring from like a very very blurred out background from the actual like in focus subject is incredibly smooth, which is very nice. I'll I'll, I'll send you some examples in a couple of days. Anyway, people should check this out. 